Hey everyone, I'm Grace King, and I'm here today with Kent Cornegie, and as always, my producer James Beery. We're going to be talking about religion and why we are mad at it. <laughs> we're just gonna, and that's just the jumping point. So, yeah, get ready, buckle up. Kemp, how are you? Grace, I'm so good. How are you? I'm amazing. Little backstory on me and Kemp. We met in college. We mm-hmm. met through an internship we were doing at a church in our mm-hmm. college town, which is Boone, North Carolina. We went to Appalachian State University. And we've just been buds ever since. So, Kemp, what porch are we on today? Uh, we are on my uh, sister's front porch. Um, we are... Uh, that's where I'm currently living at the moment. Uh, moved out of my parents' house, and I'm living here with her. So, yeah, nice. Very sunny day. I'm enjoying it. What, what are we looking at? What's our view like? Uh, well, of course, there's a there's a road, okay? There, you know, and there's a lot of houses in the neighborhood. But um, we're looking at some trees in a fence. You know what I'm saying? There's a, um, some dogs from the neighbors just uh, off, off running around what we're looking at yeah okay i like it i like it what made you choose neighborhood scene (laughs) what made you choose this specific location um well it's where i'm spending most of my time now because i'm living here um but also it's kind of like a jumping off point from i don't know i guess in a deep sense it's like jumping off point from my past because i just moved away out of my parents house hopefully for the last time and um i'm trying to be more independent and be more on my own. And this is kind of that first step into that new life. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it does. Wait, okay. So how long have you been living with your sister now? Um, Just over a month now. I just moved over here. Were so your, not too long. Were your parents excited about you moving out? Were they upset to see you go? A little, a little both? Um, A little bit. A little bit of both. I, I mean... They don't. They didn't necessarily like freak out that I was, you know, moving over here. They they just wanted me to be in a place where I would be, you know, happy and and you know, be able to be more comfortable and everything like that. And I think that they could tell I wasn't as comfortable being at home and living there. So they were they were very supportive about it. And they were just like, yeah, go for it. Plus, it's not too far. Like my mom likes to stay in close contact, you know, with obvious with all of us and and with my my dad as well. But my mom has devoted all of her time to, you know, being with all the kids and, and helping us and supporting us, which is actually super, super sweet of her. But yeah, how many of your not too far? How many of your siblings are left at home? Um, currently, my one of my sisters um, is living there, uh, but she technically has a, an apartment in um, Nashville. Um, that's where she is. Uh, working, but she's been working remotely because of the pandemic. So, and she didn't want to be like alone for all of it. So she's living at home. That's good. And yeah. I know you were at home during the pandemic. How was that for you? I was also at home during the pandemic, and it was kind mm-hmm. of, kind of crazy. What was your experience yeah. like? Well, I was um, for the the majority of, uh, well, really up until. I was living in an apartment um, with my brother that he and I were renting out um, from like March of 2020 to like November of 2020. 
So the majority of the pandemic thus far, I have been over there, but living at home, it was a little bit more, um, I don't know. I, I felt like I had to, um, be a lot more careful because I was living with, you know, two older people. My, my parents are, you know, um, in their sixties. So I felt like I needed to be extra precautious more than I already had been. And so, you know, it was just a little bit of that, but also, you know, there's lots of politics thrown around. So living at home, stuck there, not being able to leave is a little bit yikes at times. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Because our parents are of a different generation. And so they're going to say yeah. things we don't agree with. And then we're going to say something. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, well, you live in our house and you're not paying rent. So, like, you don't have an opinion. Yeah. Like, yeah. At least in my case, the dynamics haven't changed since I was a kid all too much. Yeah. Um, how is is that kind of the same for you? You'd say. Um, it, the dynamics have changed a little bit. Like, my parents just know that. Well, really, my mom knows not to pick a fight about that kind of thing, and it's just kind of like we don't talk about you know political topics, we and stuff like that, and uh, we just kind of mind our own business. And they were really good about, um, like giving me space and not like, you know, intruding in personal space. Like if I was in my room, they wouldn't like, you know, barge in or anything. So that was really nice and considerate of them. But I mean, uh, I, I see how a lot of my, my, my dad and I have a lot in common where we can't really back down from an argument sometimes. So, you know, there was a couple, you know, heated arguments about stuff, but that's par for the course in my family. We all mean well. We're just trying to have the last word. Wait, what are your parents' signs? Do you know? Their signs? Like, um, Zodiac. Think, yeah, my dad is, yeah, my mom is a Leo because she's August 2nd is her birthday. Okay. Um, and then my dad, are Libras at the end of October too? Because my dad was, his birthday is uh, October 25th. You know, I don't know the cutoff date for Libra. But I think, you know, my dad's Libra. He was born on the 22nd. And so I know it's it's close to the cutoff, but I don't know when the cutoff is. So he's either a Libra or a Scorpio. And it, right. it would I mean, make sense if he was a Scorpio from what you've told me. Yeah, but also, like, that's not the best full description of my dad. Like, he and I are very similar. So, And I'm, you know, the epitome of a Libra. So he... You know, he probably is more of a Libra than a, than a Scorpio. Okay, fair knows, enough. Really? Fair I'm enough. not really sure. Okay, I'm done with Zodiac questions. I just <laughs> I just wanted to know. Is it a Grace King podcast without at least one uh, Zodiac question? I don't think it is. I don't think I can. I don't think my producer is going to let me release one. It's in our contract. <laughs> I have to bring it up at least once. <laughs> oh, man. So I know... We both grew up in the Bible Belt. What was your experience yeah. like growing up? Was your dad a pastor? Am I remembering this correctly? You always say that my dad is a pastor, but he was a lawyer. So I, <laughs> I don't know where where that comes from. But every single time you ask what my dad does, you're like, what does he do? He was a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> well, weren't you? You were homeschooled, right? I was homeschooled, yes. But, so you'd think, but no, he was a lawyer. Okay, cool. Lawyer. Okay. But I know yeah, like, they were pretty strict, right? Yes. I mean, my older siblings would say that they were not strict with me, but they were still strict compared to, you know, most parents with their kids. What were you allowed to watch and what were you not allowed to watch? Let's gauge how strict they were. 
All right. Um, well, if it had any kind of like witchcraft or like wizardry, Harry Potter, if you will, like Harry Potter was no until like I was like, you know, a teenager and then they didn't really care. Um, I couldn't watch, um, SpongeBob. That one makes people very mad. So I, you're, if all of your listeners are gone now because I didn't watch SpongeBob, I'm sorry. Um, let's see anything on Cartoon Network. Really? I couldn't watch, um, Nickelodeon couldn't watch anything on there. Um, except for, wait, was, what was that? So Raven on Disney. Cause I could watch that. That was on Disney. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't remember if that was on, um, Nickelodeon or not. Um, but yeah, no, I basically Cartoon Network and, uh, Nickelodeon were off limits, but I could watch most Disney channel shows and stuff like that. Same boat. I couldn't watch Harry Potter. Still haven't seen it. Cause I just was too lazy to catch up. <laughs> My mom stands on spongebob was weird because i had a tape of spongebob and i could watch it she didn't want me to but i would and then there's this thing at school where you could get spongebob merch if you like sold enough candy or whatever and she wouldn't let me get any of the spongebob merch so like i could (laughs) kind of watch the show but i couldn't rep the show and i was like okay I feel like this is a okay compromise because you've already cut out a lot of other stuff. Like, no Wizards of Waverly Place, but I watched it anyway. Oh, that was such a good show, though, actually. It, that one I watched secretly. I couldn't watch it. I had to be sneaky about that one. How did, wait, how did you watch it sneakily? Because I had to do it on my iPod. How did you do okay, it? So, so my parents, we had direct TV. And so they, there was a code that you had to type in if the show wasn't like, you know, up, like if it didn't line up with like the parental, uh, parental what, what's it called, uh, restrictions. And I figured out, well, I, I guess I shouldn't take credit for it. My brother figured out the code and then we were very sneaky about what we watched. So like if mom and dad went to bed or like I would sneak down and watch it or like if they weren't home that then I would watch it. Stuff like that. Did you watch the movie? Yes. And it paled in comparison to anything else that that show had to do with. The best part of that show, though, is when Greg Sulkin came on as a werewolf. Yo, I was... swear to you. Alex Charms a Boy. Yeah, me and Rebecca, my sister, who I'm living with right now, she and I quote that daily. It's the best part of that. Oh, my. I'm now going to have to go back and rewatch it because I don't remember, like, the lines, but I remember just him coming on the show, and then I was starstruck because I was like, oh, this is so good, <laughs> and he is so cute, and I want to be a werewolf now. <laughs> that, <laughs> see, that, the, the like, promo for that they're like dude the announcer guy whatever he was just always just like alex tom's a boy whenever like he <laughs> talked about him and i thought that was the funniest thing but yeah those i remember the hype for those for those episodes they, they were they were top tier wizards of waverly place episodes i would put wizards of waverly place on par with hannah montana but i'd put i would put that's so raven as the top like that's so raven well, yes the best disney show ever Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. I did. I loved Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, though. I will say <sighs> that another another classic. Another top tier. Yeah, yeah. I think I like that one a little more than Hannah Montana, but Hannah Montana. Oh, for sure. Changed my life because I thought I. Well, yeah. I thought it was her. Did you think you were her? Because I think everyone <laughs> under ten who was watching the show thought they were her. Yeah. Listen, if I was wearing a blonde wig, I would get confused for a second. I wouldn't know if I was. Hannah or Miley. Well, I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't be Miley. <laughs> if I was Kemp or Hannah, I guess I should say. 
I, I feel I think it's crazy that so many kids resonated with the show, even the ones who mm-hmm. didn't want to go into showbiz. Like I can relate to feeling like I have to be two different people. And I think that's yeah. a kind of a testament to our generation in a way. Like did you feel like you were a certain person around your parents as a kid and kind of secretly know that this wasn't you? Or did you think about that later in life? Um I definitely thought about it later in life. Like if it was happening, I didn't realize it. Um, but like looking back on everything, it's very evident that that was the case. But I feel like that's a fairly normal thing, at least for people our age. Yeah, or just I would for agree. people in general to like kind of be one way around the people that brought you into the world, and then be more yourself when you're not around them. You know what I mean? I I agree with that. It's just an after moving around a little bit from LA to New York, I kind of see people who had closer relationships. Yes, obviously the dynamics are different because they're your parents, but there's just something with kids who grew up with parents who maybe were a little less religious. There's more of a connection I've seen in my friends who've had non-religious parents with their parents. Like a closer relationship? Yeah, or even just a more honest relationship in some ways. Not that you can't be honest with your parents. I'm, and I, I'm speaking well, you more, can be yeah. more honest. <laughs> I feel like you can be more honest if your parents are not religious, but that's coming from the perspective of someone with religious parents. So, you know. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to speak for kids who grew up without religious parents, of course. Yeah, no, for sure. But just in what I've observed, um, so growing up, how, what, when did you realize how you were growing up was a little off maybe and that you, or what you did like about how you grew up and what you didn't like and where you're at now with all that? Um, well, I loved my childhood. I still love my childhood. I think it was incredible. Um. I think that my parents cultivated a really safe to an extent, um, like, uh, environment where I was able to like, you know, explore the world and I wasn't really secluded from like the world. Like most people think homeschoolers are a lot of like, that will be the case a lot of the time, but my parents made a good, uh, like very concerted effort, um, to make sure that, you know, I, that I got to, explore who I was and what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, but kind of like on a 10 foot leash, if you will. Um, like I could only go so far. Um, like they would let me be in like community theater, but they wouldn't really like want me to like hang out with a lot of the people from community theater. Um, I like, but I really enjoyed my childhood. Like I was saying, like I, um, I mean, being homeschooled was, just it felt normal. It felt just like school. I would wake up, you know, at the same time, my older siblings who were going to high school, you know, um, I'd wake up the same time as them and like, you know, get ready for the day. I had to get dressed. My mom was very regimented about all this stuff. So it wasn't like I just like woke up whenever and wore pajamas all day and, you know, barely did any work. I was actually like, you know, my mom made sure that we were working really hard. Um, and, but at the same time, you, we could do all of that and then be done at around like, you know, 12, one that kind of thing. And then you just had the rest of the day to do whatever you wanted. And it was great. Um, especially as a little kid, I would just go outside and spend the whole day playing outside and then come in at dinner and then 
do it all over again. Um, what else did you ask me? I'm trying to think of it. No, again. that was a very long question that didn't need to be like a three tier question. Uh, <laughs> so my bad on that. But that's there interesting. You, you say that like the 10 foot leash part, because. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I can't speak for kids who didn't grow up without religious parents, but it yeah. seems like most kids grow up with some type of like there's a boundary set by the parents in yeah. all situations. I just always found it weird in my case growing up that there are certain parameters that other kids didn't have to follow that I felt like I didn't need to follow. And so did you feel that way too? Did you, at least when you got older, were there still things that you felt you should be allowed to do that you weren't allowed to do? Um, yeah. I mean, like, I, I feel like there was just a lot of social rules um, that I had to follow that like pretty much everyone around me, um, not everyone around me, I guess uh, like some of the people who were, I was beginning to become close friends with didn't have to follow. Um, Like some of the people I went to high school with, you know, weren't very religious, even though we went to like a Christian high school and like, you know, we got super close and then, they, we started sharing what we believed and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, in a real way, instead of like the performative way that we had to in school. And, um, like, uh, sorry, I'm derailing. What did you, what, what was the beginning of this? Keep derailing because what you're going to say is going to be natural and more interesting. So (laughs) just, just go, go wherever you need to go. But yeah, just like that. I felt like I had to like follow more like, for lack of a better way to say like Christian quote unquote rules. Um, like I felt like I had to, um, just constantly monitor myself in a way where I wouldn't even like allow myself to have fun. Like I would constantly feel guilty if I was doing anything that I knew my parents wouldn't like. I constantly felt like guilty about, um, like, I don't know, like say a little, like something like if I wanted to just like have one drink with my friend, if I wasn't 21, like that was a big deal. Um, if I wanted to like, you know, obviously any kind of illegal substance was off the table. I was just very, I was very centered on living a very, very pure life in every way possible. And that just felt like I was like, but I was only doing it because of this like background, uh, like, slowly approaching menace of like, you'll go to hell if you do these things kind of a thing. You know what I mean? So it's like this traumatic weight of like existential dread as a, like anywhere from like an 11 year old to like, you know, an 18 year old. And that's a lot of like baggage that I didn't need to have, you know? I 100% agree with that. Cause I think those are things I'm still unpacking. I assume, are you still unpacking those as well? Just, Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I'm dead in the middle of deconstruction. So what has your journey been like with deconstruction, and when did you start? Um, well, it, it's been a – it's like – it's kind of hard to put a starting date to it, um, but I guess it's like the real starting date would be senior year of high school um, when we had like a Bible class and they um, – like we never opened up a Bible once. We just listened to like the theologians and what they had to say on stuff. And it was all stuff like super traditionalist and Calvinist people, like, and like very, um, 
oppressive ideologies, um, very anti LGBT, very anti, uh, like anti women, very anti anything really. And so I was just kind of like, I was, it was just like this thing that was built for me kind of a thing, but I, it just felt weird and gross. And then also interning ironically at a church, um, the one that we met at, I or became friends at, I, that was a huge moment of, oh, I don't believe like almost any of this kind of a thing. Um, and a lot of it was through the behavior of, um, a couple of the people in our like, you know, intern groups, I don't want to like name names, but like, you know, that kind of thing. And then also the, um, behavior of a lot of the, the staff and the, of, of the church was, um, very alarming and very, um, counterintuitive to their message and also very, um, just opposite of what they project to the people and that kind of thing. Wow. It's every time I hear your side of the story, cause I know we've talked about this in private. Yeah. I know that it's just, everyone's experience is so different and I'm so sorry that you felt that way because that mm-hmm. sucks. And I'm not going to try and change your mind about it at all. I'm just like, yeah. I just, I hate that that was your experience because. I hate that it was my experience too. If that, if that's any Yeah, no. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. But anyway, so is that what really jump started your, I, yeah, it's what jump started your path. But what steps did you take? Did you start reading books like some people do? Or was it just more of like unraveling your personal beliefs by journaling, not journaling, that sort of thing? Um, it was a lot of it was through, um, meeting up with one of my friends from high school. Um, and we would get coffee every Sunday. Um, and we would just talk for like three hours about whatever in terms of like, you know, Christianity or God or just religion as a whole or what we believe, what we have been through. Um, and it was very, very good for me and I hope good for her as well. Um, but like a lot of it was just kind of like, just kind of letting out all of the things that we had been keeping in about our own religious trauma and our own, you know, like religious, uh, experiences that we've had and the way that we both had felt manipulated by other Christians and Christian leaders specifically and churches and all that kind of thing. And, that was like one of the main ways that I went about it. I also um, journaled a little bit. I didn't do that too much just because I was lazy about it. Um, but also talking with my siblings and friends and um, people who like one of my best friends is like, uh, he's an atheist and he's one of my favorite people to talk about God with because he actually gives better insight on who God is um, in my opinion than any Christian leader I, I've ever met. And it's like, I feel like if I stop, the more and more I was deconstructing, the more and more I was not hanging out with Christians, but I was, my faith was getting stronger and stronger in that process, if that makes sense. That's really interesting you say that. And, well, only interesting because I was, I was expecting it to go a different route almost, where you were like, yeah. and then I stopped believing, but now I do, and then I don't, but I was just making assumptions that I shouldn't have been making. <laughs> Why do you think your faith got stronger? Um, 
well, a few things. Um, I, I guess I, I can simplify it to this to start with, but like I started learning more about God by not hanging out with Christians and I started learning out or by not, sorry, let me rephrase this. I started learning more about God by not going to church. And I started learning more about how to love other people um, by not hanging out with Christians. And what's funny is that those like loving God and loving others are like the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives throughout the entirety of, you know, his walk in, on the earth. And, um, how is it like th- that was one of the major things that I started realizing is that if the two things that I'm supposed to do above everything else is better exemplified outside of Christianity, then I don't want to be a part of Christianity, but I still believe in God. So it's like, I'm not a Christian, but I believe in Jesus, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I wish there was a word for that. There probably me is, too. but I haven't looked it up. James is over there giggling. James, is there a word for it? Let me know. You can. James, help us. <laughs> help, James, help. <laughs> he said he's on. Um, I don't. This sounds very. I don't know. This sounds generally very agnostic to me. You know, like a belief of that there is something, and there's not yeah. really any particular uh, doctrine that you kind of, you know, uh, adhere to. Because it's very difficult to do that because, I mean, all the Abrahamic religions stem from the same area of the world, have similar belief systems. How do you pick one? How do you decide which version of God is the correct God? You know what I mean? It's really about, you know, loving you, yourself, and other people, even if I don't believe in God, you know? That's how I perceive it from my long, 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 long history in the church. So there you go. That's a well. Now we can end the podcast. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We're gonna keep going. Incredible. That was really well said. Thank you for your input. So yeah, I guess there is a word for it. Agnostic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's agnostic. Yes. (laughs) Which was, I. (laughs) I guess it was right in front of us all along. (laughs) It was actually the friends we made along the way. Yeah, that's what they always say. Like it's about the journey, and I'm like, ah, bullshit. I need <laughs> like absolutely not answers. I don't, fuck the journey. I don't give a fuck my, about the journey. My favorite part about going to the beach is getting at is getting to the beach. Yeah, like it's not driving there. Yeah, no, it's that's, getting to the beach. It's the worst part is the drive. <laughs> Because you're, I'm always sitting in the middle of like two adults because I'm five feet. So I, they're like, get in the middle. And I'm like, why do I have to be in the middle? I need space too. And they're like, but you take up less space. And I'm like, okay, that's a good, that's a good point. I'll get in the middle. And then. Whatever. The same amount of space will be taken up no matter who's sitting in the middle. That's exactly. But anyway. So, However, I'd still make you sit in the middle because I'm six foot three and I don't want to deal with that. So. Wait, you're six three now? I've always been 6'3". Really? I've never not been 6'3". I was born 6'3". <laughs> I, I mean, like... I probably was a little bit shorter, uh, a little bit shorter, like, when you when we saw each other more often. But, yes, I am 6'3". Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I know. Congratula- crazy. Congratulations. On... <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on it for a while, so. Yeah. I'm stretching every day. Oh, wait. Stretching? That's all you have to do? That's all you have to do. <gasps> Why didn't someone yeah. tell me that when I was a kid? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't. I'm sorry no one gave you the memo on that one. You know, but. I was in gymnastics and no one told me <laughs> that 
stretching was all you needed. After all this time. I know. After I, all this time. I'd have an inch on me if I didn't have scoliosis, but that's a different conversation. Um, back to deconstruction. <laughs> oh, my God. In the last year in quarantine, did you have any revelations with the whole deconstruction process? Um, what do you mean by revelations? Just like well, just, more specifically. Okay, so I'm assuming you spent a lot of time alone like most people did, mm -hmm. even if you were living with your family. Mm -hmm. Did you come to any conclusions about yourself maybe outside of deconstruction that felt like it pushed your deconstruction journey forward. Um, yes, I, I would say that, um, you know, I can, I can study all I want in terms of like, you know, religion or like Christianity, I guess I should say more specifically, I can study it all I want. I can talk to the smartest people on the topic all I want, but at the end of the day, well, I guess I should preface it this way. I, I, I'm very anti like going out and telling people like, you need to be a Christian. You need to believe this. You need to like think this and like, Oh, like that kind of thing. It, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. And it's just, I, it's just gross. So Christianity for me is just like all it, whatever I ha believe about Christianity, it has to just do about me and God. And that's it. It's not about me trying to force anything on anyone else, which is one of the main things that I was instructed on as a kid. You know what I mean? Growing up, that was what it was always about is getting other people to follow the rules that we follow. And for me, it's now, it's not about any kind of rule because rules be damned. And it's more about just like, you need to start focusing on yourself and you need to start loving yourself. You need to figure out how to appreciate who you are involving all of your flaws, all the mistakes you've made and you need to reconcile yourself to God. And, um, you need to, I don't know. I think you, this is me talking to me, if you will. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We, like, I got that. I, yeah. I, I, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's more just like I've realized that at the end of the day, I could understand it all I want. But if it's not, if I'm not trying to make my mental health better, if I'm not trying to make my physical health better, if I'm not trying to better my, my own mind and body, then there's no point to any of it. I'll just decay with all the answers. <laughs> the, the, what, what's the point in that? There's more fun in the mystery. That's true. I guess people would also call that the journey. I guess. <gasps> oh, no. All along the drive to the beach was my favorite part. The all drive along. to the, the, the drive to Florida was the vacation. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God. Um, What were some of the big things that your church pushed on you? What was your like, I guess, top three things they pushed on you as a kid? As a kid, um, or young adult, oh teen, both, um, that Satan is always waiting to attack me. <laughs> um, that 
gay people are bad and that, um, what, oh, what, oh yeah. And like, if I don't act right, then I'm going to spend eternity in just a, in, engulfed in flames and torturing and being tortured. That was pretty much the three things. So it was fear and oppression. And that was about it. That was, I mean, like to, to sum it up all is that was, is not to do it all justice because it was very like centered on like understanding the Bible, but those were always the three underlying themes under everything. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It felt like every, all the love I felt in the church felt conditional. Um, yeah. And ironically enough. Yeah. Which I'm still trying to undo that internalized mm-hmm. stuff, which is hard, especially when I don't feel like the family dynamics have changed. And that's supposed oh, I to, bet. yeah. And that's supposed to be like your number one. And of course, anyone in my family is going to be like, well, of course we love you unconditionally. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, sure. And. Yeah. Do you, you can th- say it all you want, but if they don't exemplify that, then like, what's the point? Yeah, and that's when people will throw something, at least in my face, something like, well, "We did this, this, this for you." What do you mean we don't love you unconditionally? And I'm like, that's the point. You just had to throw out like eight different things to pr- if you really loved me, then you would listen. And take some responsibility. Have you found that any of those relationships in your life it doesn't have to be family, just any relationship with people in the church that are like that? Um, like essentially they're proving their love by providing things for you. Is that what you're saying? Instead I, of like emotional support? Maybe, but more so like, of course I love you. I did this, this, and this. How could you not think I love you? And then maybe guilt, oh, okay. trip, maybe more like guilt tripping you into. Or gaslighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gaslighting. Um. I yes, but like, I I always felt pretty emotionally supported. I'm I've had a very privileged life, um, and you know I I felt always pretty emotionally supported by all that. I mean, I would definitely feel like I was gaslit both by the church I went to growing up and by the church I went to in college and by. A, a lot of the times like authority figures enough in my life, whether that be like my, you know, anything from youth group to, you know, church service on Sunday morning to even my parents, you know, like I feel like that just kind of came with growing up in a Christian household in the early two thousands. That was just kind of a part of it. Um, I guess, I don't know. It, it was always just kind of like, it was a, like constantly telling people that you love them without having, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this the best way. Just that, um, like I always felt loved, but it always felt like I had to uphand up like or uphold part of, um, a deal to maintain that love. Yeah. That's really well worded. That's really, really, really well worded. What, what were those things that you had to uphold in your group? Um, that I cannot change a single thing that I believe. I have to be constant in that because, and this this is one of this is something that I still argue with with a lot of uh, those same people in my life is that 
they think they've found like absolute unchanging truth. Um, and if you go out into the world, they encourage you go out into the world, figure out what you believe, search truth above all else, just search for the truth. And then I'm like, all right. And so then I did. And then I, you know, ended up here. And the thing is, is that if you believe that you have found absolute truth, unchanging, constant truth, if you ever, if, if, if anyone else goes out honestly searching for truth, they're going to automatically end up exactly where you are because you found absolute truth. Nothing else could be truth besides this. So essentially it's like they believe more that I'm just buying into lies and that I've been deceived because they found absolute truth. And if I went out looking for truth, really the way that they did, you know, the real way, the true way, then I would end up exactly like them. So essentially you have to never change what you believe. You just need to follow whatever, you know, conservative political leaders tell you about God. And then, you know, and then that's reinforced by pastors, which then just, you know, the spiral goes on. It's true. It's very true. Wow. James, do you have anything you want to chime in in here and say? Because I see you over there. It's just good. I'm, in, I'm enjoying listening to this perspective that I don't hear a lot of up here in New York. I'm not in a church anymore. So hearing this is, is interesting. I'm just, I'm engaged. No, I'm glad. I was just, mm-hmm. you always have good insights. So I was just curious if you wanted to. No pressure, but like <laughs> yeah. say something profound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Kim said. <laughs> you're saying a lot of, you're saying a lot of uh, profound things. I don't know. To me, all that matters is the connection kind of between people and I think that, like, whether or not you do or do not believe in God, uh, establishment, organization kind of does a lot to do harm to people in it. Yeah. You know? 100%. And granted, there are times that while I'm no longer a Christian, I don't believe in God, I, you, I miss the uh, companionship that I had at church, a lot of the community that I'd had. But I, it took me years, but I found that outside of church, in, in hindsight, like most of the worst things I'd have been taught was in church, both like bigotry and like hatred and like the like backstabbing. And like we left the church to go to another church because we were, my grandfather was writing something for the, for the pamphlet. And I guess the lady didn't like it and he edited it and they had like a disagreement. So he left churches to go to another church, you know, just a ton of petty ar- <laughs> it's, arguments. Between it's always, people. it's always petty, you know, it's always reductive and it's always not about the people, you know? And yeah, 100%. I think that like, if you believe in God, you should really be believing in people and loving people. But like, they don't do that, you know? And that's kind of just where it's lacking. And it's good to hear people escaping like, the you know because i think a lot of people it's not about the belief of god i don't care if you do or do not believe in god but like when you're part of an institution that like teaches you with like to hate other people it doesn't matter what you believe it matters that people who you trust are teaching you bigotry and anger and distrust and that's that's the part i'm happy to hear that people escape you know 
and uh, that they spread to their friends and they they pass on you know the good word in two ways the good word of god if that's what they believe and also the good word of loving their neighbor literally loving without any concessions because like you said you know people say like oh well you know we love god will love you god loves you even though you're gay because they know if you believe in yeah. god god always loves you god loves you regardless you know and I'm, like pointing out that it's still a problem they're just like trying to like still make sure that you feel lesser than but still like but the thing is if you bring that up to them they'll think no i'm talking about how much god loves you and then you're like yeah but you're making me feel small and me feel like nothing if that makes sense yes and they don't understand that where they're at is incorrect and i don't I didn't say that probably the best way, but I'm just like, you can't explain. You can't explain to someone who has no interest in being any types of self-aware that what they're saying and how they're saying it is incredibly insulting and dehumanizing. And it's, that's, that's the disconnect I think with a lot of Christians I try and talk to, not all of them, but a lot of them, there's, there's the disconnect and just, they don't understand what they don't understand and they don't know how to understand it because they can't understand. Did we follow? Yeah. It definitely puts, especially I think theists and like atheists kind of at opposite ends because, you know, when you watch like Tucker Carlson, right, he'll say things like they want, you know, the liberals want to take your God away from you and they want you to not have your freedoms. And they always kind of like try to posit God as being the reason. Right. But you know, I, I remember many years ago, I was actually in a library not far from here. And a friend of mine, is right when I was like about to leave the church, and I was talking to my friend and I said to him, I said, you know, do I have to go to church, you know, to believe in God? He said, you do. And I said, if I don't go to church, what will happen? He said, you go to hell. And I said, what if, you know, like a hypothetical, what if I was at the top of a mountain and just by my piety, just in my pure existence and love of God, I managed to exist without, you know, harming anything just or breathing he said you would still go to hell because you don't go to church you know and <laughs> that right did you there, ask him to show you the bible verse that says that because... well i mean i knew better than that because i you know <laughs> i know <laughs> i knew better than that you know i'm just being annoying you know but like that right there is the kind of thing that i think like really separates people because it all really just matters about like loving and bringing people close to you, no matter what they believe. And really the argument is not between atheists and theists. It never is, but it's made into an argument. It's made into an argument because people love control and they love to make enemies. And that make that makes people, you cannot be gay and religious then because that makes you the end. Cause then in your own community, you know, the Christian uh, establishment did that. Not Christians. The Christian establishment did that. It made it so, like, if you're gay, you feel like you can't love God because you're then people in your community are going to think that you're a bigot or something. It's very complex and comp complicated. Just love each other. I don't know. That's it. That's it. Up and down. Camp and I yeah. are over here clapping uh, we, invisibly because yeah. of the whole mic thing. It's the so, truth. Everything. So everything that you're saying is just like, you know, it's like, you know, hit the nail on the head and then there's another nail and then you hit that one on the head and then there's another one, then you hit that one on the head. Because it's like, I, whenever I, if people like 
if I ever get in a conversation with um anyone about like religious stuff or whatever, I'm always just like, I'm always hesitant to say that I'm a Christian. And so I always just say, I'm not a, like, I believe in Jesus, but not capitalist Jesus. And <laughs> I love that because that's the only way to like simply kind of like explain who I am and what I think, because it's like exactly what you were saying. It's all like this establishment part of, you know, uh, of Christianity that reinforces the people who are part of this establishment to just echo what they like everything that they say so that they can continue to control and they undermine or not undermine. They like use all, um, God, the words escaping me now, but just, they, they essentially continue to manipulate everyone that is a part of, you know, uh, organized religion or organized Christianity. And um, to enact the bigoted thoughts of the people at the top. And if you have an army of, of people who will just mindlessly believe what you say, and like that sounds insulting to the people who are mindlessly doing what they're saying, but at the end of the day, it's what's happening. So like, if you just take your pastor's word as the word of God, you're you'll do anything that they ask and they know that they have that power and that control. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. They're, they're, they're funny. They're, it's like their trick. The same thing that happened with Trump is that like people like, like on the dollar, in the bills, a dollar bill says in God we trust. Right. So if you mm-hmm. said that, um, I don't think that in God we trust should be on the money of America, people in the church, you hear these pastors talk about how like liberals want to take God out of everything. Right. But in God we trust only exists in the bill as a political statement from the nineteen fifty from the nineteen fifties that was used to manipulate, which means that it's not even in the light of word of God if that's what you believe, right? But because mm-hmm. people want to establish or exert power, you know, they've politicized it. Almost all religion on TV, all religion and politics expressed by people, anybody who talks about a Christian nation. It's, I, I feel very, very strong in saying that it's disingenuous. I really, really doubt that any of those people truly believe in the word of God. It's very unlikely because I know some amazing Christians, all right? I know some amazing Muslims. I know some amazing Jewish people. Ain't none of them talk like that ever, ever. You ever have a real conversation with anyone in real life? Anybody in real life who's a Republican but not a bigot, they're fine. Anybody in real life who's a Christian, usually they're fine. It's usually the pastor in the church teaching young people to hate themselves. And how could you spread the love and word of God when you do that? Damn. That was really good. My dad's a pastor, right. so <laughs> relatable content. Sorry to cut you off, Kim. What'd you say? No, keep going. Keep going. Well, piggybacking off of what James just said. <laughs> yeah. My dad is really big on control. And I don't say any of this because I want to bash him, just for the listeners out there not trying to do that. Um, but it's an insecurity thing whether he acknowledges it or not. And even as the father figure, biblical head of household type, 
stuff that all that comes with, you know, he was the head of the house because he was the man. And then he was also the pastor of the church. So there was like two layers of control that he felt he needed to have. And it was just a mind fuck growing up. Because I was like, I don't agree with the things that you say. But everything you say is all I hear. Because I hear it at church and I hear it at home. And he would preach at me growing up every day. And I was just like, I don't have a connection with you. And I, I still I still don't feel like there's a really strong connection there. And that's really weird to sit with. Hmm. I wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to preach. I wanted to do that. Well, Kemp here. This is okay. Oh God. Let it tell us. Tell us about your your pastoral. Uh not that you were a pastor. This however you want to describe it. Me? About uh Did you wait, wait what? Wait, didn't you want <laughs> Who to are be, you talking to? Wait, didn't you want to be a pastor at one point? Me? Are you talking to me? Didn't you want to be a pastor? Like a music pastor? Am I making this up? I I mean I I felt pushed to be a part of like religious leadership all my life. Yeah, so that probably as what uh, that probably came up in conversation. But I mean, I felt like I was trying to navigate uh like and fulfill those wishes from everybody else. Well, I say everybody in my life. It was mainly my parents and like uh religious leaders in my life. Um I was just trying to like fulfill what they wanted me to do. Um, and me and the girl I mentioned earlier, when we would get coffee and like, you know, just talk about our deconstruction and everything that was going on, we were like, let's start a church together. And, um, we were going to try to do it in like a really cool, like fresh new, not new way, I guess, but we were trying to do it in a way where it wasn't like, it wasn't cheesy. Like most churches being like, this is actually a safe space when it isn't. And like, and also not like super young, cheesy Christian kind of thing. We were just trying to be really real and really like honest about our own faith and what we wanted and what we thought that churches should look like. And I ended up falling through. Um, and so now I'm just kind of like, I'm not sure if I want to, you know, how far I want to go into that besides maybe just talking about, um, I don't know what I, what I believe in, just kind of uh, not exemplifying um, broadcasting in a way like what a walk like a normal person walking through their face in their day-to-day life would look like because I feel like once a week you put on the mask you go to church you do everything that you need to do and I don't mean putting mask like pandemic wise I meant this like as you know you're like social mask you have to wear um, and then you you know, you go, you play the part, and then you can live out the rest of your week more like your actual self. But I want people, I just want to, I don't know, exemplify more of what it means to really wrestle with things like that and really like be a, not a religious leader, but like a someone who is willing to talk about really difficult things and be okay with being wrong about things at the same time. I'm not trying to say I'm smarter than anybody. I'm not trying to say I'm like, you know, at an equal level of intelligence as, you know, some really smart theologians out there. I'm just Kemp and I just feel like I should talk about these kind of things. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I think which the, I feel like is a much more honest and real uh, way of going about. I don't know Christianity, for lack of a better way to describe it all. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think especially people our age, people who grew up religious, where we're from, or not where we're from, and just grew up religious, and are now like, oh my gosh, what was that? <laughs> they need they need an outlet for it, and. I don't see many outlets for it, but maybe it's because fewer people grew up religious than I thought. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like now that I'm in New York, I'm like, yeah, no one grew up going to church every Sunday. This is so strange. I don't, they don't have the same trauma. It's just, it's weird. What are you talking about? There's a church in every corner. Okay. There's a church on this corner and then across the street and then around the corner, there's Queen of All Saints and then the Catholic school and across the street from that, there's a church. There's, there's like 15 churches in four blocks. I guess I haven't been. I'm in Bushwick. And so all the hipsters I meet are like either, yeah, they went to church a little bit or they. To be fair, New York is a big city and there's a lot of people there. So not everyone you meet is going to be religious. And you have probably more of a chance of meeting someone who isn't religious than you do meeting a religious person. And that's what I'm getting at truly is like, oh, wow, there's so many more people who didn't grow up religious than I thought. I thought this was a very universal thing. I thought everyone was going through this together. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case. <laughs> yeah. But what you're doing is something that is still really necessary and going to help a lot of people. How are you going to proceed doing that in the future? Uh, um sorry go ahead yeah that's that's just the question just well i mean i started me and um uh my friend we started doing things through instagram we made like an account for like this church it was called uh revelation church because we wanted people to see a new way of thinking um but i'm kind of abandoning that whole side of it um i'm trying to just kind of do something more like organic um, than that because I don't I don't want to make a church because I'm trying to go away from that and that was something that I had to like really let myself be okay with so I'm moving on to I don't know I'm gonna start making uh, it sounds like a cringy thing to say when you haven't done it yet but like I'm gonna start making TikToks about this <laughs> um, but yeah no I, I it, TikTok is a great place to make community and like it shows videos to people who are interested in that specific topic of the video. So it's like kind of throws in people's faces a lot. So it's a good place to find and make community and, you know, be able to let people know that there is a space that, you know, they're where they can go and know that they're not alone and what they've been through. So I'll most likely going to start doing things on that. Making more and more videos talking about my own deconstruction and my own life and what I think. That's awesome. Have do you follow your favorite heretics on Instagram? Yes. Oh my yes. gosh, life changing. They're amazing people. They're amazing. They are. And they have TikToks too. And they've helped me learn a lot. And just yeah. their little Instagram slides. I'm like, oh my gosh. Incredible. I know. They had one about how hell isn't real. And I was like, wait, you're telling me this whole time. I've been super scared of dying and going to hell, and it's not real. Get out of yeah. here! Get I was out gonna, of here! I was actually going to talk about that because we were talking about you know being afraid of hell earlier. Like that's actually like all 
pretty much made up. Most of like the things that people used to scare us is pretty much all made up. Keep going. Like, like <laughs> say more right now. <laughs> yeah, like say more. Tell me more. Uh, but essentially, um, any time that Jesus would talk about hell, because he says like hell more than any other person in the Bible, I think. And anytime he would say it, he was talking about um, this place called Gehenna. And that was like this place where people would burn a lot of things. They would do like sacrifices. People would sacrifice their children there and people would sacrifice. Uh, they would like, there was also like they would burn trash and just other things there. It was just a place where everybody burned things. And um, so he would always just use that as an example of like what, as like a physical example of a spiritual thing, which is most of what Jesus did altogether. He would talk about a spiritual example of like, or he would give examples of both a physical thing in a spiritual way or a spiritual thing in a physical way um, to help people understand like spiritual impacts of things. It's really, really cool. And so like he would talk about that and then people translated it to a, like a mythical place beneath the earth. And they're like, and you'll go there and God himself will send you there if you don't follow these rules. And like, and what's funny is that the rules that they're telling you to follow are things that Jesus was like, uh, <laughs> these rules are not a thing that you need to worry about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The Valley Hanum. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Camp, did I found that out on Instagram page. Did you find it out on Instagram page? Did you read about it? Do you have any sources you can point people to you recommend? So I don't have like a, I know this sounds super unprofessional now, but I don't have like a source to like go to. But um, first I saw a TikTok and I was like, this is weird. Like I've never heard this before. So I started looking into it and then I um, uh, called up one of my friends from, uh, I don't think you knew them, but they were living in Boone at the same time. Um, and they were, um, yeah, it was from back then. He was studying more um, like theology stuff and was like learning more about like, um, ancient Greek and ancient Hebrew and was like translating stuff and that kind of thing. And I would ask them, ask them about that. And he was just like, yeah, so it's just this, like this place. It's not like an actual, like anytime Jesus says hell, it's like not actually, um, like a, it's not like a spiritual dimension. It's like a, it's like a literal place that used to exist in like the Middle East. But yeah. So I don't that, have like a source I can direct y'all to. That's that's yeah. totally fine. It doesn't matter. James it, got something. It comes cool to done. atheists with the with the, <laughs> the book of Jeremiah, chapter mm -hmm. seven, verse uh, thirty one, is probably where people want to go. And they've built the high places of Tophet, which is the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come to my heart. And there's a bunch you can go on Wikipedia. They they have like eighty different chapters and versus directly referencing this just another one of the millions of things that was pillaged changed manipulated for public for political gain yeah and for political gain it's all that it is that's all american christianity is is power and political gain and manipulation of the masses to get done what your agenda that's yeah. all it is if you don't scare them how are they gonna what why would they listen to you Facts. Exactly. Facts. I was also thinking the other day about how religion tied to how I was taught things. I was taught things based on fear, like that were separate from like rules. They were just, you know, if you don't be nice to this person, you're going to get a spanking when you get home. You're going to get grounded. 
And I understand why my parents did that sort of thing. And I know that their intentions were pure. But looking back, I'm like, even just little things that I was taught to or told to do, like washing the dishes, there was some sort of threat if it didn't happen and if it didn't happen perfectly. Mm. And that is something I'm like, yeah, that's that that was just weird. That was just a weird thing that you experienced. It wasn't okay. Uh, yeah. And it happens to everyone. It's really fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all like, going whatever. through it together. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, don't we all I have mean, the same I, trauma? I, well, I mean, I, I say, like, no, but, like... Yeah, no, yeah, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I understand um, exactly what you're saying. So, yeah, I was just, like, religion has seeped into so many other aspects of life. Particularly, I'm speaking of the Bible Belt, because that's where we grew up. But in general, yeah. I'm like, whoa. I don't know, that wasn't normal. I'm dating a guy who isn't religious, and I'm just like, wait... You could tell your mom this? That's crazy. <laughs> that's that's funny because um the the girl I'm dating with right I'm dating right now she's uh not religious either and so it's just like this super refreshing outlook on life and I'm just like oh this is amazing I did not know that you can like talk about these kind of things and be this way and it'd be okay what yeah yeah it's so interesting and. It's almost like a case study, but not really, because I'm probably the case study. <laughs> case study, the Grace King story. So, the musical. Um, <laughs> the musical. One day. That'd All be, night. Uh, <gasps> Kemp, did we just discover <laughs> our I next just, project? I think that's what we're going to do next, yeah. If, First, learn how to ice skate. Second, acquire ice skating. Wait, Kim, I used to take ice skating lessons. I can teach you. Okay, then here we go. We're, We're already halfway there. Money. We're halfway there. Now we just got to write a musical. <laughs> Man, we're off to a great start here. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is great. I'm, great. I'm, I'm sitting here excited. I'm ecstatic. It can be deconstruction, I'm... the musical, on ice, in parentheses. <laughs> in parentheses? Is in parentheses part of the title? Yes. It says in parentheses. Yes. And I think that just okay. elevates it. Follow up question. Is is in parentheses in parentheses? Absolutely. Okay, good. Because if that wasn't, then I'd have to separate from this project altogether. We're going to need a huge poster. <laughs> the title is more like takes up the entire poster. We're going to need two billboards. <laughs> One on top of the other. No, we just need one of those electric ones, and it'll just scroll by like a news like headline thing at the bottom. Oh, that you would know be. What I mean? Yeah, I do. Those crack me mm -hmm. up because I always forget what the first half of the sentence was by the time we get to the second half. I'm That's like, usually me when I'm talking. I just forget what I was talking about. Same. And have to find my way back. Do you have ADHD? Uh, I mean, I haven't been diagnosed yet, but it's you know, all the pieces fit together for it. So yeah. <laughs> you just take a quiz online, and that's all you have to do. I mean, you can only relate to so many memes about ADHD before you start to question yourself. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Wow. So do you, yeah. do you have um, an Instagram you want people to follow so they can find you on TikTok when you make your TikTok? Uh, sure. It's just Kemp Corn. That's it. Corn with a K. Um, Kemp with a Kemp, K. I, let, me, let me just spell <laughs> this out. K-E-M-P. Uh, K-O-R-N. That's it. 
Um, I already have a TikTok. I haven't made anything, but if you want to follow me there, it's just Kemp underscore corn spelled the same way. Oh, okay. I'm an underscore in the middle. Oh, 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 yeah, for sure. Um, I just made a TikTok because I wanted to watch Little Nas eggs, 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 eggs. <laughs> <laughs> little, little Nas eggs scrambled. His over easy, my guy. His TikToks about his song. Did you listen to his song and watch the video? Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. It was so good. It's so good. It's so good. So good. Well, cool dancing part is the best part, and then I will die on that hill. I, well, that's a good hill to die on. And now that we know there's no hell, there's no consequences. <laughs> so, who cares? Who cares? I guess our friends and family would oh. care a little bit, but I mean, they'll get over it. It's fine. I'm not, not I don't know if I should tell my parents to listen to this one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't think my parents listen to podcasts either. That's fair. My parents are too busy listening to Rush Limbaugh. Well, actually, <gasps> he he's, he's not around anymore, so they're not listening to him anymore. <laughs> Did they get a replacement for Rush Limbaugh? Or are they just doing reruns? Hell, if I know. That's I don't know I don't why. Know. I, James, do you know? James, <laughs> I, I do know. They, they, oh, no. I, I, why would I know? Because I, I know things. <laughs> You know, they're like running repeats. <laughs> Very uh, suspicious. If only you knew. If only <laughs> you knew. No, they've shifted they've shifted the lineup around. They have so much. Uh they have so many like conservative pundits. They literally just shifted everybody kind of around. You know, Fox yeah, it News. It won't be long before like Charlie Kirk is doing that shit. Ugh. Don't even ugh. Yeah. I'm sorry. The new oh, sorry, Nazi, that's the new Nazi pipeline right there. Okay, I didn't know who, I don't know yeah. who that is. Good, don't look him up. Okay, I won't. I, doesn't Fox have like a comedy show now? I keep yeah. seeing stuff on they moved, Twitter. Yeah, it's called a Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all their shows, but they moved him from, he his show Fox used to friends. be on at uh, like three in the morning with his other show was, I think it was Red Alert or some shit, but now they moved it to like the morning show because their whole lineup was messed up. You know, because their writers keep getting fired for being actual Nazis. So, huh? <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Crazy <laughs> people endorsing Nazis might have been written by Nazis. That's crazy. <laughs> Sounds like uh, something a Nazi would say. Uh, <laughs> okay, I have one last question for you, Kemp, and then I'll and then okay. I'll let you go. Thank you for your okay. time. Of course, thanks for having me. Have you seen Arrested Development? Here and there, I haven't really seen all of it all the way through. You, you got it. You got it. But I'll get most of re- I'll get most of your references. I have, so mad I have what you got. I have genuinely no follow up. I just thought of this question. <laughs> I was like, wait, if he hasn't seen Arrested Development, he needs then to watch it. Delete the podcast episode already. It's yeah, just not you need to go back anymore. and watch it, and then we can just re-record the. Whole and then we'll thing. redo this. Okay. Yeah, awesome. I just I just laugh. So yeah, you should. I'm not gonna say anything more about the show. <laughs> If you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched it, go watch it. Especially if go you grew up with a religious family, um, it's hilarious. Very good show. Every time I watch it, I've enjoyed it. I just haven't sat down and watched the whole thing for some reason. It's it makes more sense when you watch it all the way through, and if you watch it quickly, <laughs> and you watch it on a schedule. <laughs> yeah, you got regimented. Be- you can turn it on in the background and everything will land. Like, it doesn't have to be in order. But if you want the full experience, watching it in yeah. order 
and taking notes if you want to, if you want to be diligent. But it's just great. I refuse. I refuse. It to would take be notes a little TV show I'm watching. Yeah, it would be a little intense to do that. There'd be no need. But, but now I have to. Now I have to. Just for you, Grace. We can compare notes. That could be. F- I don't. Take, <laughs> I don't take notes. I never took notes. I dropped out of college. Good for you. You made the right choice in doing that. Thank you. I know I did. It was you, amazing. It was a perfect choice. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask a question about, like, loans, like, if you drop out. But Biden, hopefully, will take – we'll see what we'll see what Biden does with that We'll one. see. We'll see what this man uh, deems I am worthy of. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Okay. Well, thank Fingers you so crossed. much for being with us today. And, thank you. Um. But yeah, okay. Well, that was the interview with Kemp Cornegie. Thank you for tuning in. This has been me, Grace King, James, and then Kemp, because I just said it was Kemp. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. 